Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. Liverpool 3, West Ham 2. So it was an exciting game. More exciting than I wanted it to be, but an exciting game. A good, a good game to watch for the fans. You know what? I will be honest. That was probably the most enjoyable game I've watched in a long time. And the reason being is because I know the league is over, I'm able to watch these games and sit back and enjoy watching Liverpool playing. It's almost as if I'm watching a game that I know we've already won and I'm watching it again to analyze a little bit deeper. It, it, I kind of got that feel when I was watching the game. So I, I started with that feel, but when West Ham started really showing a lot more than they have, like say in the previous week against Man City, they seemed to really get up for this game. Then I started to actually get a little bit worried, and especially when they scored their goals. And they legitimately had chances late in the game to at least tie it, if not go ahead. So this was a, I started in, in that clear headspace, but I actually got a little bit worried by the end. But my question is, what were you worried about? Oh, I just want us to win everything now. I'm, I'm not used to losing. I'm not used to having a week where I have to live through a Liverpool loss. Well, we did. We lost, and here we are, right? <laughs> it's true. Um, but we haven't lost in the league this year, and that's a pretty good feeling. True. Um, interesting. So this week, uh, Henderson was out, and Virgil van Dijk was in as captain. I guess uh, second captain's usually Milner, but uh, he wasn't playing, so it was van Dijk. Yeah, so... Van Dijk is the third captain after Milner, and then I think after that is Wijnaldum, and then from there I think Klopp would just pick the most senior player. But um, I thought that obviously he's he's he has experience captaining the national team for Holland, so he's not a rookie in terms of captaining his side, and he is pretty much the leader on the field anyway. Um, but still, I didn't see him filling the Henderson role um, in terms of speaking to the referee, getting in his ear, just making sure that he, he kept people in check on the field until the second half. So I think he's the leader on the field for the defense. But I think when you talk about midfield and forward, I think Hendo does a better job of handling that. I would definitely agree with you. I think uh, Van Dyke maybe forgot that he was captain sometimes or didn't feel like it because he should have been in that ref's ear a few times and he just wasn't. He was more in the ref's ear when something happened to him personally but he should have been there for his teammates. And I, I don't take a shot at him. I just think he's not used to that role. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a very good point. I like the way you said that. I think he forgot that he was the captain. Um, and I think that by next game, he will know that, okay, Henderson, our regular captain, is not on the field. There were some glaring gaps in terms of the motivation and the yelling at players, the, the disciplining, keeping refs in check, and he'll be on his game from the first minute, I think, in the next game. Yeah, I think he'll definitely learn from this one. Uh, so one thing that I noticed early in the game was I actually saw Robertson taking a corner, and that actually happened a few times in the game, which is a little bit surprising. It seems like they've gone away from Alexander-Arnold being the exclusive taker of corners other than the random Milner or Salo. How were those corners, though? So the interesting one that really got me was in the fifth minute, Robertson actually took a corner from the right side. So it turned what would be an Alexander-Arnold corner. And again, it's on his side, so you think he'd be the guy to take it. It turned that into an in-swinger instead of an out-swinger. And I don't see many in-swingers being attempted by Liverpool, except the occasional one that maybe Shaq might take, Mo Salah might take. But for the most part, it's usually Trent with the out-swinger. And on, on the other side, um, they might play a short ball and then still go for the outswinger. 
So what I've seen, at least in my experience, is I think that the in-swinger is more dangerous. It just gives a slightly better angle. You don't really need to get your head on it that hard. You just need to touch it a little bit. It's already got a lot of momentum going in the general direction of the net. You don't have to completely change direction. So I think it's more dangerous. I think we saw that on the first goal against Liverpool where they took an in-swinger. The guy got a piece of it and it went into the net. So I actually think this is a change uh, that Klopp has put in to try to improve the corners. So two questions. Do you think that our attacking players off a corner, so our defenders and Salah and Mane, do you think that they prefer outswingers or in-swingers off corners? Then the other question is, I agree with you that I prefer the the in-swinging corner, and they are a lot more dangerous. So why do you think Klopp and the, and the coaching staff are consistently picking the out uh, the the outswinging corners? So I think the outswinging corners were picked because Liverpool have done amazingly well in corners for the last fifteen or so games. They are scoring at every you know other game, every game, every other game they're scoring. A header on corners um, or a goal on corners and so it's it's why change it I think they went through a little bit of a drought um, in two three games so I think they're looking at maybe changing it up they've got a lot of opportunities and I think this is the chance to work on things um, so I, I would guess that's partially why they're working on it I think if you ask Mo Salah and you ask Mane and those guys what they prefer I think that's irrelevant I think you need to ask the guys who are actually heading it and by guys I mean Van Dyke. And it's clear, I don't know if you recall, last year in a game where Van Dyke was adamant about a uh, about a, a, a free kick coming in. He wanted an in-swinger from Shaq, not the out-swinger from uh, Alexander-Arnold. And he scored on that goal. He looked, uh, that was a total boss move. That was the Origi one, right? Or was it Van Dyke that scored? Oh, it might have been the Origi. Origi right? Van Dyke asked for the corner, asked for right. the uh, in-swinger. He was adamant about that, and then Origi scored on it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, I think among players who are going to get that first touch, the in-swinger is better. Maybe the out-swinger is better for, like, a second touch or something, the ball kind of ricocheting somewhere. I don't know. Um, my other thought would be on the corners. I mean, let's be honest. Liverpool have won the league. It's over. Everyone knows it. Maybe now is the time that Klopp takes to try new things. And he wants to see what works, what doesn't work, and we can take that into next year. Because why not? You know, we're, we don't get a chance during the season to try things because it's always so tight. If you look at the prior year, right, we needed 97 points and that didn't even win the league. So you couldn't give anything up. But now we lose a point, we tie a game. It's not a big deal because we don't really need to win anything anymore. We've already won the league, basically. I don't think that Klopp thinks that way. I truly don't think that he's taking these these games as practice games. I think that everything is so intentional, and if he's chosen to go for the in-swinging corner once or twice in this game, or maybe more than twice, I'm not sure how many corners we took um, in-swinging, that he's done some form of research with his staff, and it's either specific to this West Ham team or specific to the way we have or have not been producing off corners up to this point. I just think that Pep and Pep Linders and Klopp and the rest of them are so intentional, so mechanical, and so diligent with the decisions they make. Yeah, I could see that. I, In my mind, I guess I'm already thinking about next year. Um, and I'm thinking about the fact that 
we never get to play the kids, we never get to try anything because it's so competitive. Maybe that's what they're doing. But you're right, Klopp has a different mentality, and and you've you've gone a long way in convincing me of that. So it could just be a stats thing. So speaking of which, what are some things that you you noticed in this game? So other than the corner, uh, one thing I noticed that kind of took me by surprise, not surprise necessarily, but definitely stood out, was in the eighth minute, Keita played a given goal with Salah. So he passed to Salah, Salah passed back, and then he passed to Salah again. It got jumbled a bit, but then it came out the back end again to Keita. And I noticed that because in the previous game, uh, Keita played a pass to Salah, who then backheeled it to him because he was supposed to run onto it, but Keita had already stopped. And I think it's clearly been told to Keita on this team, when you make a pass, you continue your run. That is the expectation. And I think that's what that run on the eighth minute looked like. He just kept running. Every time he gave up the ball, he kept going on his course and he got the ball in the box. And that is how we play. Maybe it's something he's been missing. Maybe it's something he hasn't understood, but it was clearly uh, something that changed from last game. Yeah, and I was reading some reports about how um, Klopp and Pep Linders, um, Klopp's number two, were yelling at Keita all the game to move forward, to step up forward. And and uh, the reason why he was subbed was perhaps because he wasn't um, heeding their instruction, intentionally or unintentionally. So I think you have something there. Um, in the first half, or the first half of the first half, he definitely did seem a lot more mobile and and aware of the interplay with the rest of the team. And then suddenly that stopped for what for some reason. And as much as he was attempting to be a part of the play and he was trying to be productive, you could tell that he wasn't really playing his own game. He wasn't playing to his strengths, and he wasn't playing to the strengths of the Liverpool team. So we were not able to advance um, our plays and to to be as as dominating as we normally are. So it's interesting you mentioned that they were yelling at him and he didn't listen because it kind of harkens back to the prior game where uh, he was running at the same man that Hendo was running at and Hendo yelled at him and pointed at who he should run to and he didn't pay attention to that either. And so they both ended up running at the same guy and not getting the ball. So that's a, that's an interesting point. I think they're trying to teach him. I think they have a certain way to play, and but he might just not be getting it. Um, again, that wasn't the, the point of what I was saying. I was trying to say he learned something from last time, but I agree. I think he was playing a little too deep, and I don't think he's playing to his strengths, and I wonder if he hasn't learned the Liverpool way yet, which is sad because I, I want to see him do well. I think he's got all the talent in the world. I just I don't know if he's getting what the Liverpool way is. I, I, I kind of liken him to someone like Wijnaldum, right? So when Klopp bought Wijnaldum, he was buying an attacking midfielder who was one of Newcastle's highest, if not the highest, goal scorer at the time. And from the first game, he transformed him into a midfielder. So that tells me that when he was buying Wijnaldum, he knew that he wanted him to be a hardworking midfielder, even though the rest of the world saw him as an attacking goal-scoring midfielder, right? But don't forget, and, and this sorry to interrupt, but Wijnaldum may be that engine that Klopp wants, but he is still a goal-scoring midfielder. Don't forget, when we needed the goals in uh, at Anfield against Barca, he got us two, and when he plays for the national team, he scores a lot of goals. Oh, exactly, and don't get me wrong. Um, my point was more that 
when Klopp brought in Wijnaldum, he knew what he was getting and he knew what he was working towards. So he knew the project that he had with Wijnaldum from day one. I, I, I feel as if with Keita, because we, he's been with us for a year and a bit right, right now, right? Um, but we got him a year before he, he came to Liverpool. When we got live, sorry, when we 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 made a deal with Leipzig to get Keita, we were not the same team that we are now. We were not the same team that we became when Keita came, and so I think that this team has moved on from him. The question I would ask Klopp is: If we didn't have Keita till now, would would, would he be a a transfer target for for this Liverpool team? Uh, that is a really good point and a really good question. I would liken that to um, Coutinho, who, exactly. who used to be the most important cog in this team left. And I think if you brought him back, he would be completely lost on this team and he would uh, hurt more than he would help. So He maybe, would be a bench player. He he would be a bench player that you would bring on just like you'd bring on Ox when you need some, some forward movement. Right. Um, so I think, I think that's a great point because we're two and a half years since Keita was bought. He took a year to come. He was completely. He was injured most of the time in his first year, and we are a different team. Maybe he just doesn't belong in this team. That's a really good point. Or at least he doesn't belong in this team as a starter. He he can certainly play a role off the bench, just like Ox and possibly Minamino for the next couple of years. Um, but I don't see him replacing Henderson or Wijnaldum or Fabinho in that midfield on a consistent basis because he's not that player. He he's a more creative player, but we have so much creativity from the flanks and the forwards that we we really don't need that role. Yeah, I I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, he's a great player. He might just not be the right player for our system. He might be a good bench player to bring on to change of pace or if we need a goal. But he's he's not getting what we need right now, and and that's no disrespect to him or, or fault of his. He might just not be the player for this system. Like Genie needed to be changed. Um, Keita may need to be changed. Um, moving on, another thing that I noticed in this game uh, was a, a little bit more intensity from the players. Uh, in particular, I'm thinking of Salah. In the 34th minute, he managed to get his head on a free kick and kind of hit it wide. It was a, it was a hope and a dream that he'd actually get it on net, but he tried. He he really gave it a go. And when it went out, he did not turn with a big smile on his face and was happy about it. He was all business. There wasn't the, the Salah, I just missed the gimme smile. It was all business Salah, who I love, by the way, because he's far more dangerous. And I also noticed on a cross in the 72nd minute, everyone uh, gave up on it because they were all thought it was going wide. Uh, uh, it was going out. And Salah like, ran onto it and managed to keep it in play. So I think he was all business. I think you were right in your analysis of the Atletico game. That loss put them all in a bad mood, and I think you saw it with Salah. Speaking of bad mood, how about Mane? Oh, man. Does he have, like, a problem with being taken off two games in a row? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not that I think there's anything wrong with him being upset, but, man, he was pissed. <laughs> and that long walk around, that did not make him feel any better. But I think it's good. Um, I'm starting to think that Klopp wants him angry. He wants to keep Mane angry because Sadio Mane, he's, a, he's an enigma. He's not your tip. He's not like Salah, who's he's a predictable personality, predictable player. Sadio Mane can be the best player in the world, or just the most raw individual that you've ever seen. 
Wait, wait, wait. Is he related to Origi? <laughs> well, yeah, let's not even go there. Well, Origi's the exact same guy who plays on the exact same side, and he's all of those things, but just not quite at the quality of Mane. So it's funny you bring up Origi. He didn't play this game, but I was thinking the other day that there's three sides of Origi. There's the Origi that comes on and is the best player on the field, right? There's yeah. the, the, the Origi that comes on and has two left feet. Then there's the Rigi that comes on and has two left feet and scores an amazing goal in the 99th minute. And you never know which one you're going to get. Yes, and I can see how that would be frustrating for a coach, but I can also see why you bring that guy in. Because you hope you get the first one. Or, or the last. Or the last one. It doesn't really matter. But two out of three ain't bad. True. So, no, I think that's a good point with, uh, with Mane. I think he has a lot to offer. I think he's definitely pissed. As long as he can stay away from uh, fouling, um, he'll be good for the next few games to really put uh, uh, fire under him and, and get going. Um, another comment that I had, another thought that I saw was in the 36th minute, Alexander-Arnold was taking a throw-in inside our area. Um, and you could very much see that was a perfect example. People have talked about, you know, what do you need a throw-in coach for? And this was a throw-in coach's dream. You saw their players who came in, uh, Fab came in, um, and Keita came in. Like Everyone was making a run in towards the ball, pulling their defender. And then after about 5-10 seconds, they had pulled their man away. And in the middle of the field, uh, I think it was Firmino, had loads of room and nobody was around him. So it was all about running certain routes, getting players to follow you, and that opened it up for like the fourth guy. So there were three guys who made runs, and the fourth guy was wide open for the throw to get in the middle of the field where he could turn and go with it. Do you think that Trent has any role in that? Because I'll be honest, since we've had this throwing coach, I've seen an improvement in Trent's throw-ins. I've seen improvements in Joe Gomez's um, throw-ins when he used to play right back last season. Robertson, I don't know what is up with him on throw-ins. I mean, he, he hesitates, he, he looks around, thinks twice, thinks three times, and then he just ends up throwing it in some random direction. So I think I think you're absolutely right with Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez became like a throw-in god. His long throw-in is unbelievable. It's like virtually a corner kick if you, uh, if you get it down in the opposition end. Uh, Alexander-Arnold... I think he did a good job of pretending he was going to throw the ball in, but you could tell that he had actually set his feet right to throw the ball in, and he knew exactly what was happening, and he was just waiting for the play to happen. So to answer your question, I think Alexander-Arnold gets it. I think he understands what the corner kick, what the throwing coach is teaching, and I would agree with you. Robertson is a bit, um, I don't know, off. It doesn't quite seem as smooth. But but that play in the 36th minute, to me, watching it, I'm like, that's a throwing coach, mm. and that's worth the money. I, I can't disagree with you there. So uh, the next one was that I, I wanted to talk about was that second goal that we scored that went through the goalie's legs. What would you think? It looked like a gaffe. It looked like a mistake that I've seen goalkeepers make once every two or three seasons. Um, I've heard some commentators mention that perhaps there's a little bit more science behind the reason why that happened and it's not just a simple mistake. Um, I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. So uh, I can actually tell you, I I think it was a mistake because you have to stop those shots at this level. 
but I think there were extenuating circumstances that people are not uh, attributing. I think the first one was the run of Firmino. So if you actually look at the run of Firmino, uh, he made a portion of that run was he was between the goalie and Salah. So he made sure that the goalie did not have line of sight on Salah. By the time the ball came, he wasn't screening, but he definitely interfered with uh, the goalie's eyesight. So that threw him off a little bit. The other thing was Salah was so wide open um, in the uh, in the box. Like there was just so much room. If I'm a goalie and I'm standing there, I'm preparing to dive to one corner or the other. The one thing I'm not expecting is the shot right at me because Salah's got the whole net to shoot at. And so I saw from the set of his feet, he looked like he was ready to go one way or the other. And I think that's what threw him off. I think he planted and because he planted so firmly when the ball came between his legs, instead of putting the knee down and, and getting the knee sideways so that he can stop the ball as it's coming in, he just bent over to scoop it up because his knee, his feet were already planted in anticipation of a dive. I think he didn't expect Salah to take such a weak shot. And again, that comes down to the intimidation. I think he is aware of what Liverpool is. I think he's aware of what the Liverpool forwards can do. And I think he was trying to stop the shot before it was even taken, and that kind of backfired on him. So speaking of an intimidation, uh, what do you think about Allison's performance in this game? Allison's a beast. I don't think there's any way around that. Um, he uh, so I've talked about Allison's intimidation quite a bit. I think there's uh, another uh, example today of Allison intimidating a player, which is Antonio in the 71st minute. He got kind of a, a short lob that came right to him. Um, instead of taking it down in the easy play, he could have used his left foot to bring it down, put it to his right, and just he had Allison beat. There was nothing Allison could have done at that point. He rushed it. He tried to bring it down with the outside of his right foot so that he could more quickly kick it. And I think that's because he expected Allison to be there. I think players are now at the point where if you're in the box, you're afraid that Allison is going to take that ball off you and you rush the ball and you don't even get the shot off like he did today. I know what you're saying. Um, I'm thinking to that Napoli game, the last regular Champions League game of this of the, the group stages two seasons ago where we won 1-0 and they had that chance in, in the dying minutes. That was a similar ball coming into that play of Milik, I think. Um, and he's a much more finesse player than Antonio is. And he he controlled it with his left foot, and then he, he positioned himself for the easy um, in, um, tap in into the net. But Allison jumped out on him quickly. So I, I wonder if, was this more of simply the West Ham player not being skillful enough to control the ball versus Allison's intimidation? So I think the West Ham player was not skillful enough to control the ball with the outside of his right foot. Mm -hmm. But I think he made the conscious choice to try to use the right foot because that would reduce the amount of time that he needed to get the shot off. Because of Allison. Because of Allison. Okay. And so um, I've talked about the Allison intimidation. And uh, on the core podcast, I've actually looked at the numbers and it's a real thing. So we'll talk about it there. But it's absolutely, I think when guys get in the box, when guys have these gold-plated chances... I think they're just straight out afraid. Um, they know Allison's going to be there. He was actually further away in rewatching it. I realized he's actually further away from Antonio than I thought he was. Um, I think he was caught a little bit 
in his net. But again, I think Antonio didn't see that and he just assumed Allison was going to be there in a second. And so he needed to get rid of the ball. So he tried to play that's beyond his skill. How much of Allison's intimidation? Oh, sorry. Let me rephrase that. How much of Allison's effectiveness in stopping these types of shots is his natural skill, his expertise versus his long hair and black tights? So don't get me wrong. I think his long hair, unshaven caveman look um, combined with the black tights of the Grim Reaper, I think that definitely has an intimidation factor. But I think it's just the fact that like, when you look at um, the way he plays, if you look uh, later in the game, um, they also had another guy had a, a chance on a through ball. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And Allison, yeah, Allison came out and played it absolutely perfectly. He, he didn't just charge out. He came out in control, made the player take an extra touch, and then he just followed him along to keep pushing him deeper and deeper and deeper and cutting the angle more and more. By the time the guy realized what was going on, all he could do was put it off Allison's face because Allison had made himself big enough. And you, if you look closely, you see, yes, Allison went down, but he didn't actually start going down until after the guy kicked the ball. So Allison could have gone. You know, I heard the commentators uh, talk about how he should have taken around Allison, but that's expecting Allison to have gone down, right. which he simply wasn't doing. The skill is phenomenal and the speed and the speed the quickness is, of thought is, everything uh, the quickness a of getting out he he gets out and he gets on the player so quickly and then his reflexes and everything are so quick i think that skill plus the caveman black uh tights look i think that genuinely creates an aura of invincibility that affects players I can't wait till the warm weather comes back up again in April, May. I, I, I really hope that they ask Allison and Adrian to persist with the tights because I think that's an amazing strategy. Just it, it, it makes the, the goalkeepers look 10, 10 feet tall. So not just the tights, the black tights, because black is actually an intimidation color. So when you actually look at the psychology behind colors, black does actually, uh, it creates a, a, a an effect in people that creates a little bit of fear and intimidation. So I would go with just black. I would never change from black. It can be like 50 degrees. He needs to still wear the full black tights because that's doing it for him. Um, so just the last thought that I had on the game was, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I think West Ham played a really good game. Um, and I didn't recognize this West Ham team from the last few weeks. I don't think their fans did, to be honest. I think their fans would love to see this team week in and week out. If they play like this, even for three of their final games, they'll be fine. Because what they did to Liverpool was so inconsistent with what I've seen from them all season. And also, especially the last game against Man City, where they clearly played to ensure they didn't get thrashed. That was the team talk to the team. Make sure you don't lose by more than two goals. Right, and, and I think what we can expect is going forward, we'll see a lot more of this. I think we'll see every team's uh, best outing. I think Liverpool is the team that has the mark on them right now. Um, everyone knows who we are. Everyone knows what we are. And everybody wants to knock us off that perch and be the team that breaks the Invincibles. And I think you saw it from West Ham. I think the run-in is going to be a lot harder than people think. 
I think it'll be hard, and I think that that's exactly what this team needs. They need to step up, and they need to be challenged because, quite frankly, the first or the last three months have just been a cruise. And as a fan, I really enjoyed this West Ham game because we were given a test like we haven't been until now, and it'll only raise our game during the business end of the season when we're hopefully fighting for the FA, FA Cup as well as the Champions League. And I would say I think this is a good time for it because I thought you, I think you saw in the Atletico game, I think we got into second gear, we got into third gear, but we didn't really get into full swing like we can. And I think that's because we've won lots of games, not really getting out of second or third gear. We're, we're playing well, but we don't really need to raise our game. I think West Ham forced us to raise our game. And I think that will actually serve us well in Champions League going forward if we have to raise our game week in and week out. The other thing I'll say is Liverpool does not look good after a break. I don't know if Klopp can ever send the players away again. I think they have to stay there permanently. Um, but it's interesting. They always seem a little bit out of sync coming back from a break the first couple games. Yeah, so I suppose this the last two games are like our January from the, the previous seasons. Yeah, it, it seems that way. But again... Good win, and that's what we're looking for at this point. Um, I think we did a good job. It was a great test going down initially. It was a great test knowing that we had to come back, we had to push, and getting that win is just going to keep building the Liverpool aura and building the players uh, up to know that it doesn't matter what the score is, we can win, and that'll serve us well in the second leg against Atletico. Who was your key player of the game? Allison. Um, he let in two goals so it's kind of surprising that i would say that but i think i give him full credit on the fact that antonio bobbled that ball and uh and the one that he took off the face uh if those two go in liverpool loses and so i think he is much more valuable than people are are realizing uh he makes it look easy and one of the things that i've noticed with allison is when he makes a play um, like the, the play that you mentioned with napoli when he comes out to make that play that's allison making himself bigger when anybody else makes that play, that's a liver, that's a, a goalie throwing themselves at the ball. Like, and you can see it. It's the, it's like the difference we talked about in the game between uh, Mane trying like a pirouette, like bringing the ball down and taking a shot. It looks like awkward kid who doesn't know how to walk. Whereas when Firmino does it, it looks like ballet. Right. Like that is Allison. He looks like he's ballet in net, and everybody else looks like they're just flailing. He seems much more in control. He's my man. Who was your man of the game? I want to go with Trent, but I think you've convinced me that it, it should be Allison. I think Allison was the man of the match, which is strange to say because we won 3-2, and it's not as if they bombarded our goal, but those two key interceptions or uh, saves at, at, at critical times were huge. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Allison. I'm, I'm trying to convert you. It looks like I've done that for this game. Um, overall, great game, a lot of fun to watch, and a uh, good win for Liverpool. Bring on 19 wins. <laughs> <laughs>